standard issue for all women. Hello, Hannah here and welcome to the first in this year's series of International Men's Day interviews. Hooray! In which we talk to men about things that interest them. I know, we have to give them a chance they don't get the chance often. So, first up, in this interview, Mick and I went to the Old Vic to talk to the brilliant Patterson Joseph and I will tell you more about that in a moment. But just here's some things and... It's not all the things, but it's some things that you can keep your eye out for the rest of this week. Jen and I went and spoke to the brilliant George Alagaya, the BBC's top man on the news at six, about his new book, about living through momentous times and about his long and varied career. Jen also chats to Lem Sisse, poet, broadcaster and author of the Sunday Times bestseller My Name Is Why about his childhood in the care system. She also chats, she's been busy, she also chats to Chris Spencer. Don't know who that is, you will know him by his other name, Cold War Steve. And Mick catches up with Rich Wilson, comedian and host of the excellent podcast Insane in the Men Brain. That's such a great name to talk about putting the men into mental health. And there is more. But unfortunately, because of the timing of things, we haven't done the interviews yet. So we can't quite tell you what it is we're talking to these people about. But that's all stuff you can listen out for. Anyway, back to this podcast that you're about to listen to now. Mick and I went to the old Vic to see Patterson Joseph. He of The Leftovers and Peep Show fame. And he is now on stage playing Scrooge in the old Vic's Christmas play, A Christmas Carol. We talked to him about Charles Dickens and why so many great comedy writers just love him. We talked about how the world really needs a hug from Holy Wayne right now. And in fact, we got a hug, which was quite lovely. And we talked, of course, about Johnson. So that's coming up now. Just a little FYI. Our International Men's Day show, which is actually tonight, that has sold out. Our show in January has sold out. So if you want to get yourself tickets to see us and see our faces anytime soon, you're going to have to go for our December show, which is December the 11th at King's Place. And the good news is we've got some great guests. I can only tell you who one of them is now. She may well be enough. It's the brilliant Daisy Haggard, creator of this year's excellent sitcom, Back to Life. And also the star of such wonderful things as Psychoville. Rushes off to watch Psychoville immediately. You don't do that. You listen to what's coming up. Thank you. Hi, Mickey and I are here in the Old Vic with Patterson Joseph. Hello. Hello. Who is the star of, or you're in rehearsals for, A Christmas Carol, Jack Thorne's... It's not called a panto, is it? They've got a play with music. It's definitely not a panto. No. I mean, there are, there's, no, there's nobody in tights. <laughs> and uh, there's no slapping thighs, and there's nobody says look behind you when the ghost comes on. So no, it's definitely not panto. It's a play. It's a play about Christmas, um, a Grinchy, a Grinchy kind of Christmas, um, and it's beautiful, really beautiful. I'm I'm just horrified that you're making us talk about Christmas already, mate. You want to come to the rehearsal room? <laughs> I've been listening to a silent night since October. <laughs> I am up to here with Christmas. I mean, it's, it's great because we, we're rehearsing it in sequence, thank, thankfully, because it's quite technical. But I have to say, I am doing the grumpy Scrooge bit very, very well indeed. <laughs> Enough, Merry Christmas. Yeah, a lot of that going on. Has Bar Humbug taken on a nasty turn after Boris Johnson has used it in uh, Parliament? Did he? Well, he said humbug yeah oh yeah 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 well reclaim it 
Uh, yeah, we will. I mean, but actually, this, this show is about people like him. It's about people who uh, think about themselves before they think about others, who want to win, who want to win at all costs, and I don't really care who they trample along the way, how many lies they have to tell, how cold they have to be in order to get their job done. There's a lot of politicians like that, a lot of people in the world at the moment, a lot of yeah. leaders like that, who become blinkered. I want to get my way, I'm just going to not hear anything else. Yeah. And Trump's like that. I think there's a lot of leaders around the world yeah. that are like that. They're the ones like that in um, the gun in um, in Turkey. Yeah. There's a lot of people just being blinking, going, "No, my way, my way, it's my way." Mm, agreed. Yeah, so awful. Is what you're suggesting that we get three ghosts and just sort of? We should just make them Putin, Trump, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Johnson. No, don't, let's not give Johnson any more uh, publicity than he needs. But no, I think uh, I think there's. A really strange thing happening in the world. We've chosen some very strange men to run major parts of the world. Why have we done that? I mean, there are how many? Nine? Are there nine billion of yeah. us on the planet? These are the guys. Well, it's backlash. Am I allowed to it? swear? Yeah. These fuckers. <laughs> these are the fuckers. Yeah. These nine. These guys out of all the nine billion. Yeah. Come on. America had a black president. Mm-hmm. Women are saying you can't just grab my ass anymore. That's right. And there's some sort of kickback that says no, we still want it in the old way. Yeah, it's really interesting because we were dealing with the ghost of Christmas present, which is tricky, you know, because it's like Scrooge says it. He says, "A past I can see you learning lessons from. The future I can see you seeking answers from. But the present, I'm a realist. I can see the, I can see the present. I can see everything. I've got nothing to learn from yeah. the present. Actually, that's the hardest thing to learn about what's happening right now." seeing the wood from the trees and going this is wrong because down the line these are the consequences it's hard for us mm-hmm. I think it's hard for people especially people who are hard, especially hardline anything actually I was going to say hardline one side or another but hardline anything you stop seeing the big picture and I think that's the times that we're in it's like we're in this crazy vortex of, of everything's being thrown at us everybody wants more rights which is absolutely right and a load of people want to take those rights away. And it's just, it is, it's a clash of, of, of major, like the immovable force meeting the you know, unstoppable object. I really do think it's a very interesting time, but really hard to figure out what's going to happen or how it's going to all play out. We've yeah. said this quite a few times, Hannah and I have chatted about this, and it's, it's horrific when you look at all of the people who are getting their rights trampled on, who are living in poverty, below the poverty line, mm. and yet what's going on particularly in British politics and American politics, what a time to be living through. Yes. We're living through history, what's going to go down in the history books is, oh, I don't know. Yeah, it's a big point. deal. No, it's a big deal. It's like Cold War. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's really, it is like the fall, the fall of communism. It's a, it's a big sea change. I really do think it is one of the most powerful times for creativity as well, because I think... When those times, like the Cold, during the Cold War, especially, there was a, there was a feeling that we needed to get our voices out. We needed to speak. I mean, I was I, I'm a child of the seventies and, and early eighties, and Margaret Thatcher was was uh, very loomed very large. Mm-hmm. I was able, and a few other people that I know, um, I could name at least three other actors that I know who are acting now because of uh, Ken Livingstone at the GLC giving money to mm-hmm. arts. Of, you know, funding arts for youth, Cockpit Youth Theatre, Lenny James and I went there, Royal Court had their own thing going on, money was being given to the arts, and then we were being stopped, black kids were being stopped, my brother, who's the most peaceful kid you could ever imagine, stopped 
don't know how many times, dozens of times, as a schoolboy searching his satchel, I did too. So we were fighting against something really powerful. And there was a lot of agit prop, as we used to call it, agitation propaganda theatres, <laughs> that used to push that. A lot of, um, you know, the monstrous regiment of women, there was that kind of, we're going to speak out. And you've got people standing up for gay rights, and Stonewall was gaining momentum. It was almost, to me, as if this force that was coming at us made us stand up, young people stand up. And our music, you know, think about UB40 and I'm a one in 10, it's like the, the unemployment statistics. And, you know, I'm not a number, you know, I'm a person. This groundswell of protest, you know, marching yeah. uh, against the bomb, uh, Green and Common women, you know, there was something about like, fuck you, we're going to stand yeah. up anyway. And I feel like we went to sleep, went to sleep. I feel like in the 90s and the noughties, uh, till we had um, the um, globalisation march against... Which, which seemed a bit incoherent, I have to say, at the time. The globalisation marches and things and protests. It felt like we went to sleep for a couple of decades. Like It was all very comfortable. And now I feel, because of these big forces, the Trump America, the uh, Brexit uh, feeling, which is so anti-immigrant, it's, it's ridiculous when they say, you know, it's not really about that, it's about our sovereignty, because... Most of the people I speak to was anti-immigration. Yep. They yeah. were anti-immigration. Okay. Yeah, I've got people in my family, by the way, who voted an extraordinary one person. Extraordinary. Extraordinarily. So I feel like this is actually quite a good time creatively because we should, and I think we are, getting more plays that are about stuff, about stuff that matters and plays that, that push back and art that pushes back a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jack Thorne in particular, who wrote this, yeah. is, is kind of grasping hold of the... The writing news basically. Um, <laughs> National Treasure was excellent. He's got something starting on TV called The Accident, which is kind of tied up with the Grenfell thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I think he's doing an amazing job of, of yeah. putting yeah. that world or, or our world back to us on television. Hmm. I feel like I should jump forward a bit because what I want to talk to you about is is Holy Wayne because I do feel everything that you've just described there means that the world needs a hug from Holy Wayne more. <laughs> that creep? I don't know. I don't know about that. Oh, Holy no, Wayne. I'm just going to say to anyone who hasn't taken me up on my instruction to watch The Leftovers, <laughs> which I dish out on a really regular basis, that's, uh, that is your character in <laughs> The Leftovers. Yeah, um, Wayne. I've just re-watched it. <laughs> everyone watch it. What's your, uh, what's your take on him? And Wayne Gilchrist. Yeah. I think the thing about Wayne is that he was, whatever he was in the, in the novel... It became something else on set because Peter Berg, who is an extraordinary fella, yeah, he really is uh, all round. <laughs> a funny it's an actor's <laughs> anecdotes, but I remember coming on set the first day. We were in this very strange um, wooden cabin in the Bronx, which was meant to be in Texas, but it was in the Bronx, like a real house, a really weird house. And he came in, and I didn't know he'd come in. I was just chatting away as I always do. Uh, to people, say, oh, you do. What do you do? And then it all went hushed, and I was like, oh, what's going on? <laughs> and I have been, I've been to Buckingham Palace once, and it's the only other time I've ever heard a room of many, many people yabbering, and then suddenly be silent. We go, huh? and the Queen is walked in. <laughs> it was like that. I was like, oh, what's happened? And there he was, just walking slowly in with a little baseball cap, you know, little, quite a small man. And I was like, oh, they're very reverent. Because <laughs> it was my first time I'd ever been on an American film set. I'd never done any American programs, none. And so uh, it was all very rare. And, he, and then somebody went, uh, Peter would like to, to talk to you. So I went, oh, okay. So I went over. And I'm always, I'm always 
striving to be relaxed about everything I do because I think it's where you get your best stuff, right? For being relaxed. So I'm just like, yeah, okay, hi, hi, how are you doing? I'm all right. He didn't have to give me any eye contact at this point. And he went, so, uh, so this is where Wayne lives and he's kind of run away and he's living in this compound in Texas. And I went, yeah, awful place, isn't it? God, look at it. <laughs> he suddenly looked up and looked at me like, and then he looked around the room and he's like, and the whole room was like, <gasps> and then he went, yeah, I guess it isn't everybody's taste. <laughs> But somehow I think he really likes me because we would do takes. The very first take I did, uh, the actor Brad, who's can't remember his surname, uh, comes in and I'm sitting there in a dressing gown and a, and a, and a, a wife beater t-shirt. You know, and I'm sitting there with no lines and he comes in and he sits down and he says, can you help me, man? And it was supposed to finish and the scene just kept on going just looking at each other. <laughs> and then from downstairs in this cabin, I said, would you come in again, Brad? Come in again. Pat, sit, keep sitting down, Pat, and imagine him coming in. So then I had to do this weird thing of going, imagining, <laughs> I know you can't see this, but imagining somebody walking across the room, coming towards me, sitting down, and then looking at the guy. And he goes, Brad, now ask him again. Can you help me, man? And all the time the camera's just rolling on me. Me doing these really... It's like doing a silent film. And then he went and last he went, it's Brad, can you tell him to fucking help me? Can you fucking help me, man? And cut. I was like, what was that? And actually, all the way through, we had moments like that where he would just make stuff up. So there is a kind of otherworldliness about Wayne in the performance yeah. that comes from really listening. What's he going to ask me to do? <laughs> so that kind of look that Wayne has, that's slightly, I'm not quite here, that, that partly comes from the way Peter directed it, and I sort of held on to that for the other, other directors who we had. But, yeah, I love that job. Do you a, think he was the real deal? Peter Berg? No. Uh, Holy Wayne. Wayne? I don't know enough about the story, and I must confess, I I've, not, I'm, I've not watched all of it. I didn't have HBO at the time, you see, so I, and I missed out on it. A lot of things, sorry, actors are like this all the time, is that we hardly ever watch the things that we do. I suppose because we're so immersed in it, we feel like we've seen it. Yeah. yeah. I bet most of those Game of Thrones actors have not seen the whole thing. And, and, and like Peep Show, I haven't seen the whole of Peep Show. I, I haven't seen the whole of Green Wing. I mean, it's ridiculous. Please don't hate me, people. But I haven't. And, and, the, and the thing is, when people quote it back at you, it's so delightful because it's like, oh, do I say that? Yeah. <laughs> you should watch the letter. Because totally it is, the it's amazing. I mean, I, I'm kind of curious about what it looked like on paper. Because, hmm. you know, a lot of what really makes it sing is the performances, the, the, the soundtrack. I mean, given that a lot of its characters don't even speak. Yes, like, gosh, yes. Yeah, yeah. I'd imagine it looked like a bit of a shit show on paper. Or, no. or did you look at it and think this is a masterpiece? Uh, you definitely looked at it and thought this is special. Um, and, and you also hoped that it would be coherent because you only ever got whatever bits that you needed, like that script for that episode because not everybody's in every episode so you got the script for that episode and that sometimes could change on the day but there was a sequence that we did a dream sequence I did to be lovely lovely Justin um, when you're in in your suit you're actually uh, yeah 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 playing some sort of bodyguard He's just deliriously happy to be Really like so opposite to, to, to Wayne's sinister. He's just like a sort of affable chap, you know. <laughs> Which makes him all the more creepy knowing yeah, yeah. who this guy is in, in Justin's head. In the character's head. But I, I have to say that, that that was one of those where you just go, oh, this is what you do. You do whatever's there. 
and trust Damon Lindelof to put it together. Because if you try to think that through too much, it would make everything very lumpy and very heavy. So I think all of us, I'm sure we all did it, just went, this is the scene, this is the scene. This is the other scene, and this person in this scene. Okay. And even if you're the same character, there, there was no point in trying to wrestle it into, well, I did it like this before, so I've got to kind of be the same person. It's like, no, I'm here, and I'm doing this. I'm here, and I'm doing this. I'm here. I'm here, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm doing this. Listeners, he's very good. <laughs> <laughs> there was, I mean, my, my last, my, one of my abiding memories, I must say, it's again, as a Peter Berg memory is ah, when we're in the, the compound, uh, well, anyway, one of the compounds, before I take the, the, the ridiculously young girl away with me, I come to the compound and, and loads of people have been shot. And one of the guards, one of the first guards you ever see, if you look back at it, is Peter Burke. When Brad Senator comes to visit me, and the first time you meet Holy Wayne, the guy on the door is Peter Burke. Oh, the guy ah. at the gate. So you look back at that. But you'll see it again because what he did, we were doing the scene, there's meant to be like the dead bodies everywhere, and I'm just I just step over one and talk to to um Chris Silka. Chris Silka's character. And Peter said, I'll go, I'll be that guy, I'll be that guy, I'll be the dead guy. And so he was we were in this sort of horrible kitchen thing, and he's sitting down and he went, Actually, can I, I do a thing, Pastor? I think you should kiss me when <laughs> and say I've always wanted to. <laughs> and, and, and then and then he puts some lipstick on and he's there like this and I have to kiss him and go I've always wanted to do that and I was like I, I've never I don't know I, from from every, any job I've ever done that is the one I've got more weird and beautiful memories from yeah brief that was it was brief yeah, cool. I, th- I think Holy Wayne truly believed he was the real deal yeah I oh no I definitely played him like, he, I, he did have power he had a um, an energy and an empathy, and even though he was in himself quite broken and damaged and weird, he did have visions, and he was the real deal. He was the real deal. I, I mean, he certainly believed he was, and that like had a placebo effect on. on yeah, on but I know. Him. I literally think he had an energy. No, really, I literally think he had something. I mean, it's the leftovers. Anything could happen. Yeah. I yes. Mean, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. But I think there are people in the world who have weird energy. Yeah. We, there are people who can do things, who can say things, who can walk into a room and it's like, it's part charisma, but it's also something. Um, and I'm not religious anymore, but I do think that it's a, it's a, it's a power. I don't think it's supernatural. I think it is natural, just that we don't know that much about it. We don't tap into it and not everybody can access it. But I do think that there are people who have powers, emotional powers, powers to look at somebody and go... God, I know you're really mourning your mother. Like, how do you know these things? Some people just have that. I've met a few of them, like, you know, in the sort of religious world. I just want to ask if strangers ever come up and ask you to hug away their pain. <laughs> I have never had strangers ask me, but I've... When I was in America doing my one show, it was in, the, like, a year after I left over the finish, and everybody who came backstage, I just said, would you like a hug? And they went, yes, please. <laughs> But I, I kind of knew that they wanted it, uh, that Holy Wayne way. Uh, and I, I hugged. I he knows <laughs> Of course this is going to happen at the end. Yes. At the end, of course it has yes. to. But it's, um, it, was, it was obvious to me. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they were after. 
you have not been back to America to do any other work. Have uh, you timeless. Uh, oh yes, the, the NBC uh, time travel show, which I again I really love the premise of, um, uh, and that's a show that I'm quite proud of. Um, even though we only did two seasons and a and a sort of finale uh, movie thing. But I, yeah, I went back and, and that for me was like a proper, this is what it's like to work in America kind of job. Yeah, proper, like studio. Does it appeal? No. I mean, it doesn't. <laughs> no, no, I'll tell you why. Because there's something, I mean, it's coming here anyway, but there's something about the looseness of the hierarchy in the British world of, you know, TV and film, and well, not about film so much. I don't do any, any, but um, TV and, and theatre that I love, particularly theatre. But they, a bit like the French, who I know quite well, um, <laughs> the French quite well. They're they're um, they're lovers of hierarchy. Love a bit of this is what you do, and you don't touch that person's thing, and you don't look at that person, and you're not allowed to talk to that person. And certain people can do this, and certain people can do that. I fucking hate it. I'm not Martin uh, Freeman. Uh, you know, socialist, rabid, but I am very much a believer that everybody in the room is important. Yeah. yeah. Because if that guy doesn't put that light up, and if that girl doesn't put that, you know, proper uh, memory stick inside that camera, we're all fucked. We've done nothing. We've done this for nothing. So can everybody just please respect everybody's jobs, yeah. even though you don't yeah. know what that job is? Yeah. <laughs> and when you get when you get hierarchical um, arrangements. Those things always go out the window. The person bringing the tea. Oh, shit, well, Is that quite literally the person bringing my yes, tea? When you said the Freya, yeah, person yeah. That oh my god, he knows things. I wanted to know. No, I mean, you know, what, I was suddenly thinking about Freya. Freya's bringing some tea. Don't stop the recording. This that was magic. This is magic. Yeah, this is magic. He so, sends the tea. It may be a bit. Thanks. Well. Lovely. Thanks, Freya. Um, She's but when the person, so how important is Freya? To this little exactly. gallery. Exactly, yeah. Because oh, now, yeah. yeah. Keeping us hydrated and happy. Hydrated well, and happy. So. Keeping right. us going. Right. Yeah. staying in. Yeah. This is... <laughs> this, there we go. Thank you. So but, but that's to me... Thank you. That to me is the case in point. It's like, things need to get done and I can't make tea and get my costume ready and do the lighting. and I, So that I hated. I hated all that. Oh, you mustn't talk to the extras. Usually you shouldn't talk to the extras. And the way that they were treated... South Africa was the same when we did Noughts and Crosses. It's like, who do you think you are, people? Without these guys, you're just a somebody on a set in your own clothes. Yeah. You know, in the dark. <laughs> yeah. Right? With nobody looking at you and nobody recording what you did. I never really understood why that hasn't been conveyed to people as soon as they enter the profession. That everybody here is important. Everybody here is your boss, Right? Everybody yeah. here is in charge of you doing what you need to do. And if you need to know what goes on, these are the people who know. And I couldn't bear that. And I, if I ever got on another American film set, I might even have to do a little speech and go, stop this nonsense, please. Because it filters down as well, doesn't it? Because they go on to the next job with that in them. And yeah. also they go around their, about their daily life with that in them. How are you well. gonna, how, Michelle, how are you going to stop that? How are you going to then, then make a line? It's going to go into your private life. How are you going to make a line between who I can speak to? Should... Here's my tip, everybody, for, um, for love. <laughs> Cue the music. Patterson Joseph's tip for love. Ladies, when you go out with somebody for the first time and you're in a restaurant, for example, 
And they are as nice as anything. Everybody's nice first time around. Lovely, lovely, lovely. You go, oh, this person's lovely. And then the person serving them it comes along and they immediately turn into this other person. Mm. Even if it's only slightly other person, where they go cold or the drawbridge grows up or they start treating the other person like dirt. That's... People get out of that relationship. Yeah. True. Because I think that's... If, you, if, it's, if you're not nice to people who can give you nothing, offering you nothing, they're just there because they have to serve you, because they're doing a job. But if you're nasty to those people the chances are that you will be nasty to somebody else down the line once yeah. you become familiar with oh, them. I was a waitress for a long time, yeah. There's a lot of blokes talk to me like crap and I think to the woman, this is an indication of what yeah. he's going to be exactly. like. Exactly. Yeah. Barmaid, exactly the yeah, same. Uh, absolutely. Top. So we're not going to see you turn up again with Jesse Armstrong in succession, maybe, or something like that. I would take any job, <laughs> Sam or Jesse, offered <laughs> me. There's about three people in the world, four maybe. Danny Boyle... Jesse, Sam, and then Dirk Mags. I don't know if you know Dirk Mags, but he, 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 he does Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and he's just an amazing chap. Good omens on the radio. Um, amazing chap. Who I'll just go, whatever. Yeah, I'll do it. And he said to me on, um, it was on this is Dirk Mags on Instagram, would you would love to work with me? Would you work with me again? I said, anything. Just say anything and I will. And he went, you want to be careful. But I'm doing Sandman. I mean, Neil Gaiman's yeah. Sandman wow. for Audible. So I'm going, I'm going to do a part in that. I don't know what it, I don't know what it is. I don't care. But I'm doing that next week. So for me, it's always about, that's it, isn't it? Good people. Good people. And they're good people. And I have, I've only seen an episode and a bit, I think, of Succession so far. Um, And I, it's lovely. It's It's just so good. It really is. It's so good. Yeah. So yeah, of course. I mean, I jump at the chance. All right, it's Janet. Sorry to interrupt your listening experience. If you like what we do here at Standard Issue and you want to keep hearing some excellent content made by excellent women, yeah, us, we know, you can do so by visiting our Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward slash Standard Issue and chucking some dollar our way. Thanks very much. So let's talk about Johnson since we're talking about Jesse Armstrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I take it that's the thing that people come up to you that on the street about. That is 90% of the time, that is the thing. That is the one, yeah. And is that a joyful thing? Look at me, look. Yeah. I'm so happy. I love, yeah, I love Johnson. I tell you what, I think it, it was the most accidental of things. And I have, I think I've got Tams and Greg to thank for it. So, sorry, slight name drop. Okay. Tamsa Greg, mate of mine from uh, Neverwhere, Neil Gaiman uh, show, 1996. None of us are really known for anything. And um, I met her uh, and, and her and her husband on that. And uh, years and years later, I was doing, just with mates, we do these improv um, sort of sessions. And uh, we started off with that two or three of us, four or five of us, and it just grew and grew and grew. And we started doing this. So I, was, I began to run them and uh, ask mates to come. And I always noted how terrified actors were about it. And I just thought, yeah, oh, it's going to be great. Come along. And I invited Tamsin to a couple of these, and she came along beautifully. And we were just, I mean, we, nobody was writing it down. Nobody was filming it. We were just, basically, I would describe it as kids in the nursery just messing about. And uh, and we did a session, and I think it would have been a month or so after the first time Tam 
came along. Rachel Freck, who's a, a comedy casting director, or she was, did, did loads of comedy uh, castings, got me in. And I, and I sat with her and, and she went to, right. Tamsin said that you do comedy. And it dawned on me that that's exactly what happens, is that you are drama, yeah. you are comedy, you do these yeah. and you do that. Oh, we and love I, a box. Then, yeah. God, do we love a box. And I went, well, no, we just do these improv classes. She went, okay. But um, here's it. And then that was, the, that was, I might have been, was it Green Wing? So, so for me, it was entering a whole different world. And I didn't understand much of what was funny about what we were doing. I mean, I understood the idiot character that yeah. I was playing, <laughs> the guy who thought he was everything. Yeah. Uh, and, the, and the driving gloves. Him, holy way. Yeah. Guy who thinks he's a <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> There's a pattern here. <laughs> well, hang on. Linton in, in, the green, in green Wing has no clue no, about anything, yeah. but that was just me going, oh, I don't know what Mark keeps doing. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what's going on here. But, but that's, um, that was my introduction to the comedy world. And I just played Johnson, as always. You just play the character. He's his character. Oh, he's a nasty character. And, um, and I just wanted him to be... I didn't quite get it the first season. And I think somebody noted in a blog years and years ago, oh, Johnson's accent's changed. It's like, yeah, because I, when, there was something about when he talked, he, t- he reminded me of people, this is a strange analogy, but no, it's not an analogy, it's a reference, but it's true. A lot of uh, Christians, I used to be an evangelical Christian, I am not now, but I used to be. And I used to know quite a lot of people who'd go training, get trained in America, and then they come back, and they right. would have that slight mid-Atlantic thing, you know, and they're you know, yelling, and uh, there was just something about somebody from Hertfordshire kind of thinking that they kind of American, just in something about that. And I wanted some of that kind of, I'm really kind of cool, you know, I'm in the mid-Atlantic, but I'm not really, about him. And I didn't quite get it in that first one, but subsequently I got it more and more yeah. and more. Um, he's just hilarious. He, he's, he's, <laughs> a, he's, a, he's a fun character because he's so extreme and yet Jesse and Sam told me that the mates of theirs who ended up working in the city know these guys yeah yeah. right you wankers <laughs> have a look at these flow charts you guys aren't doing shit come on let's get on with it and slam their office door so it was, they're real people yeah they are real people like that out there I am um, I was watching I thought I cannot sit down and start watching Peep Show because it'll be like four o'clock in the morning. And I do this interview on one hour sleep, so I was watching some on YouTube to, to limit myself. And in all the Johnson like clips, all of the adverts at the start were just these mediocre men selling business. Things. And I thought, I wonder if there's an algorithm that's thrown that up. I'm damn, or damn it's sure. Like a crazy. Or they don't. Or what's even worse? Is they don't see the irony. No, that they think they that's think, what Johnson's this is, will This is what we're going for. We want <laughs> yeah. to be this guy yeah, who absolutely. cares about no one. <laughs> yeah. But I thought, in a way, that's that's where Johnson is now, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Like, trying to sell himself on YouTube. That, that's where he yeah. would be, yeah. I mean, somebody's on Twitter is trying to uh, get Sam and Jesse to write a TED Talk. A Johnson <laughs> TED Talk. But I don't know if TED Talk people would allow. <laughs> Just in case people go, yeah, that's true. I'm going yeah. to run my business like it. <laughs> Uh, the campaign starts yes. here. Yeah. That would be amazing. I would love that. Let's I... start a crowdfunder. Let's make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a Christmas miracle. Yeah. Johnson. Johnson on Christmas. Yeah. We're crazy. Yeah. Um, going back to Christmas, um, you're on stage with a lot of other people. Yes, like thank now. God. I mean, yes. after being on stage on your own yeah. for such a long time. I know. Show, yeah, that's right. That's, that's, what is the ups and downs of doing a one-man show? Uh... <laughs> The ups 
are all they're all easy because the ups are uh, you are basically in charge of everything. Everybody's looking at you. Uh, you're the the big cheese. That's the up. Hang on, it's the man who thinks he's everything. <laughs> Again. Exactly. Again. Exactly. Uh, nobody gets in your way. Um, I'm in control. But the downs... <laughs> the down, now you can tell a really coherent... Uh, just, just, just to put it in uh, <laughs> highfalutin terms, you can tell a very coherent story when you're telling it on your own. The, uh, the downs are... First time I performed at the Oxford Playhouse... Um, yeah, 15 bottles of, of uh, champagne, uh, 24 donuts in the green room for celebration afterwards. <laughs> I'm sitting in there watching, I think it's police camera action. It's on the TV, thinking this is the sad, no wonder people commit suicide on the road. Like, this is the sad thing because all my techies, my three or four techies, were out sort of doing notes, you know? Yeah. Whereas actually, it would have been a bunch of actors in here going, yeah, wasn't that great? What about that moment when. It's just you. It was just you. That's the sad bit. It's like just the after-show party. <laughs> Eating Eat 24 donuts. Which lasted me about a week and a half. Um, the champagne, not so long. But, the, but, the, but the, um, the weird thing is, well, I didn't even realise until I was coming into work two weeks ago here at the Old Vic, was that Sancho, an act of remembrance, is, yes, that's one man show I've been doing since at least 2014, 15. Since 2012, I haven't done an ensemble theatre piece. Oh, wow. Uh, It was Julius Caesar at the RSC. And I came in to work going, this is so brilliant. I've got all these friends. I mean, the first week, I know there were people going, why is he so relentlessly jolly? He's meant to be playing this grit. Because I was like, playmates! You're funny! You're really funny! And also, the great thing is, they're all talented, I mean, in their, I don't know, I, maybe they'll get really disgruntled by week five because they'll realise they're not doing enough, I don't know. I don't think so, because everybody's so busy. But they're brilliantly talented people all in their own right. I mean, just for one example, Gloria Onitori was, you know, did a Billie Holiday thing with me um, on Radio 2 where she just sang all these Billie Holiday songs. She's an incredible performer. And there am I, just sort of, you know, Rebecca Traherne, you know, you know, Olivier Award-winning actor, singer, and... And I just feel like oh, I'm in the room with these geniuses. So I don't feel like it's a... It certainly doesn't feel like a show I'm, I'm carrying. Yeah, I've got a few more lines than anybody else. Yeah. But actually, they've got the lion's share of the lines. And they've got all the songs. They've got all the bell ringing. I don't have to do anything except one note. Please, God, I don't get that wrong. One note <laughs> of the bell. But that is the beauty. That is really the up, ups. And there's no doubt for me, so far, there's no downside to being in a big ensemble cast because it just feels like... <gasps> People. People. Yeah. People. Well, we work at home on our own, not together. I mean, I mean, you in can our see own Hannah's, Hannah's microphone is covered in cat hair, and that yeah. is a good oh, okay. of our lives. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we get a bit like that. I sometimes go to the shop and just start talking to people in queues. Yeah. Well, I know. I, I write. I see around people sometimes. But I write as well, so I... I get, I had about a week and a half where I told everybody I was on sabbatical and I went out maybe twice, two evenings maybe, things that I had already planned and it was like, I felt like, I don't know, Rain Man. I like, <laughs> everything was just so like this <gasps> overstimulation. Yeah. But it was wonderful because you realise that that's not how you're meant to live. You're not meant to live by yourself somewhere locked in, locked in by yourself. You're meant to be, we're a social animal so we're meant to be yeah. out there and I know you sometimes you've got to create on your own some things, but it's so much better, isn't it, when you're with people? Which yeah. takes us neatly back to Ebenezer Scrooge. Ebenezer Scrooge. Ebenezer Scrooge. So, 
It's a classic character, obviously, mm. and it has been played by various people throughout mm-hmm. the ages. And I wanted to know whether you're channeling more sort of Albert Finney or Michael Caine in Muppets Christmas Carol. Neither. Oh, Neither. Neither. Um, Alistair Sim. Oh, Alistair Sim. Yeah, if I was, if there's a, if there's yeah. a go-to, it's Alistair Sim. That used to terrify me. Oh, it's a terrifying version. Yeah. Just mainly because of his. Yeah, yeah. so good. And his acting is like mine. I'm a really kind of silent movie actor, <laughs> especially on stage. I'm big, um, big eyes and sweaty. Doing big, big eyes. Big I'm eyes. almost a bit scared of that. How big, big eyes and well. sweaty. Yeah. That's what I do. <laughs> and I was so gratified because I've been reading the novel again. I've read the third time now. Novel, short story. But uh, it says at one point, because I'm in rehearsal, I'm sorry, everybody, as I drip sweat. And I, I'm reading this thing and it's going, as he talks to Marley's ghost and Marley's ghost is about to live, he, he perspires so he wipes his brow. I'm like, oh, fantastic, I've got that nail. <laughs> but there's something about the, um, the character that is also uh, Blackadder and is, is also um, any Ben Elton character who's speaking in insult at length yes and I know Armando Anucci who I did Avenue 5 with um, this year is a massive Dickens fan his David Copperfield's about to come out uh, and I can see why they love him why Ben Elton Richard Curtis and Armando love him is because he's he loves an insult and he loves yeah. a long insult and he loves a detailed insult I've been asking him to put a line back in which has been uh, just been taken out of this particular version uh, and it's part of Scrooge's I suppose it's too much of a giveaway but it's part of Scrooge's um, speech when he goes Christmas time what's Christmas time but a time for paying bills without money a time for finding yourself a year older and not a penny richer and then there's this other insult he does it's so graphic and so violent <laughs> That they've probably cut it out thinking more well, the kids might, and they might not give it to me. But it's so intricate; it's a, like a black adder insult. And when you come and see it, and you hear those two, the third one will be the one I desired because I just thought, it, even if it doesn't ever get a laugh, there's something so graphically violent about his hatred of people who say "Merry Christmas," and then he goes, "This is what should happen to them." And I was thinking, this this is why we love the character, and the character is sustained. It's like we love Blackadder. It's because. There's something about him saying, Baldrick. And when he gets into it, you go, this is going to be yeah, great. Yeah, and it's yeah. not going to be a short thing. You're a git. I mean, he might do that as a joke, a short one. But normally it's about breaking down exactly who Baldrick is, his parentage, the job he does, how badly he does it, and something violent that's going to happen to him if he doesn't <laughs> stop doing what he's been doing. Yeah. Harrison was looking and directing his, uh, Sorry. his vision of me. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm now terrified. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Going back briefly to Sancho, you wrote that yes. because you wanted to be in a costume drama. That's no and lie. And there were no roles, or not really any roles, for men of colour in costume dramas. It's got better since you've... This is a question that gets asked a lot, and I have to say that the first time I was asked it officially was uh, 1990, nearly 30 what years ago. Yeah. And they came to my mum's best front room, and uh, the BBC London News, and interviewed me because I was playing Troilus in Troilus and Cressida at the RSC, had taken over from Ray Fiennes. And I remember sitting in my mum's front room, hiding all the doilies, <laughs> and, uh, and then them asking me that question about, I think at the time it was called colourblind casting. Because this happened at every single interview I've ever given. 
answering the same question. And I'd like to just all be parliamentary. I refer my um, honourable gentleman to the um, to my previous answers. That you know, go back and see what I've said. But the truth of the matter is, things evolve, and things have always evolved. Things don't go as quickly as anybody wants them to go who want them to change. That is the basic truth of it. But I'm playing Scrooge at the Old Vic. Thank you very much. Um, Idris Elba is an international movie star. He's a black Briton. So is David Ayala. So is Chiwetel Ejiofor. Sophie Okonedo is Oscar. I mean, I, I, I don't think that we're living in the same world as the 1990 world. And yet the question still comes as if as if we are. And so what, I suppose what I would love is for the question to be, now that we have this, this and this, what else do you think? And, and I would say what else I think is that um, since we've opened up the door to talent, just being talent, then we should just continue to do that. Simple. Yeah, yeah. Just keep open your eyes, everybody. Be aware yeah. who's in the room. When you look around the boardroom, look around yourself and just be aware. Just wake yourself up, be aware, have a look. And that's all, really. That's my only take on it. Um, and I really would love never to talk about it again. I really would. I know it's never yeah. going to happen. Uh, but I'd much rather talk about like, Doctor Who. Even though, again, that was like a decade ago. Well, what are you talking about that for? I didn't get it. So, we... But I'd much rather talk about something that is an interesting anecdote than a general, what do you think about? Because I only think what I think. And I am not a spokesman for anybody but myself. Any more than Adrian Lester's a spokesman for all black British actors because his career has been extraordinary true you know um, Idris's career has been extraordinary they we, we can only speak for ourselves this is what we did and we got lucky here and a lot of luck but also our skill meant that we fitted then and the timing was right and but for uh, I don't know, asking us to be spokesman for all of us, I think it's really massive pressure. You're a woman. What do women feel about all these oh, things? Oh, yeah, I know the answer to that. Oh, wait. No, you know an answer, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the truth yeah, of it. Yeah, I know absolutely. an answer, but I don't know what they're... And, and anyway, it isn't, this isn't a, an answer. This isn't a question with an answer. It's an ongoing evolution. It's an ongoing evolution. And, um, and, and I'm just so glad, you know, to be part of uh, a world where where I could see you'd never get a Scrooge, Black Scrooge, back in the time when I was uh, writing uh, Sancho, when I started in 99, 2000. I don't think so. The bigger deal anyway. No one's made a peep about it. What, Black Scrooge? No one's said a thing. Because it's, so what? If I can convince you that I am the King of Norway, as I did for Danny Boyle at the RSC, then that's all that matters. Yeah. And I don't care what Mike Lee says. That's another anecdote we might share at one point. <laughs> I, I have a question that only you can answer. Okay. What would you like for Christmas? Ooh, I just don't do it, I suppose. I mean, I just, in a Scroogey kind of way, I don't really... I mean, I think my Christmas is all about family and um, cooking lots of things and having people over. So I'm, I'm getting my uh, Christmas wish because they, they now actually asked me to host this Christmas so that, oh, that's, that's me yeah, yeah I've built myself a flat which is a party flat really it's for big because I've got a big family four sisters and loads of nevies and nieces and a brother and um, his kids so I, that's me that's, I've got my Christmas wish which is my, all for my fam my boy's going to come at New Year's and it's going to be just brilliant hugs yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that you see didn't even have to ask me Freya, <laughs> 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 you're needed. You're needed. Yeah.
not as a bodyguard. You've got to do it as a Hollywood. <laughs> okay. Oh, sorry, yes. This is going to be hard. She's wedding photos. <laughs> <laughs> there. Show your teeth. Show your teeth at the wedding. Oh, I can feel the pain seeping out of me. Me too. Thanks for that. I think it's just... Sorry, <laughs> yeah, just... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was great. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for joining You're us. Very, very welcome. Standard issue for all women.